book twelve chapter seven through thirteen of of the love of god by saint francis de sales translated by h l sidney lear this librivox recording is in the public domain book twelve counsels concerning the soul's advance in divine love chapter seven every act should be done as perfectly as possible our lord frequently uses the metaphor of coin for example the talent put out to usury the piece of silver lost and found unless a coin be good and of full weight it will not pass current and if a deed be not genuine springing from love and a right intention it will not be reckoned as good if i fast out of mere avarice my fasting is vain if from temperance yet meanwhile being guilty of some mortal sin the work is wanting for love alone can give due weight to anything we do if my motive is merely compliance with those around me my deed wants the true stamp but if i fast out of temperance intending thereby to please god my coin will have a true ring and will be laid up as a treasure in store little actions are well done when we do them with a pure intention and a steadfast will to please god and then they greatly promote our sanctification some men eat heartily yet are always thin and weakly because they do not digest their food properly while others who eat less are hearty and strong because their digestion is good so certain people perform numerous good works without growing proportionately in love because they are cold and apathetic instead of earnest and devout while others seem to achieve but little yet that little is done in so fervent a spirit that they grow rapidly in grace and god seems visibly to bless their increase chapter eight how to turn all our actions to god's service whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the lord and not unto men colossians chapter three verse twenty three whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do do all to the glory of god one corinthians chapter ten verse thirty one and these precepts we fulfil so says st thomas when the love of god has become our habit of mind so that although we may not make a special act of intention to serve god in each passing act it is nevertheless always understood and maintained by our habitual union and communion with god through which all we do is like ourselves consecrated to his eternal love the child dwelling in its parents house needs not to be perpetually affirming that all he earns is his father's inasmuch as he belongs to his father all that is his does the same children of god's love as we are all we do is inherently devoted to his glory 
as i said before the olive tree imparts its flavor to the neighboring vine and so love imparts its perfectness to all other virtues but if we graft the vine upon the olive it not merely acquires a flavor but imbibes its very juices so be you not content merely to possess love together with other graces but aim at possessing and practicing every virtue of grace in and through love when the master guides his pupil's hand as he paints the picture is mainly his albeit the pupil has consented and cooperated in the work and verily our deeds are excellent above all when they are altogether prompted by motives of love but this happens variously according to the man thus divine love sheds a very special grace upon the good deeds of those who are specially consecrated to him such are bishops and priests who are sealed and stamped as god's servants by a sacramental ineffaceable dedication such are religious whose vows have made them an acceptable living sacrifice unto god romans chapter twelve verse one and such in their measure are all who devote themselves wholly to god's will in retreats and spiritual exercises some have held that this kind of general self-oblation does not affect subsequent actions unless individually offered but all will accept st bonaventura's illustration namely that if a man offers a hundred crowns deliberately to god it is a real offering of love albeit the actual distribution be made subject to distraction from the definite point and if so where is the difference between the offering of money or of all our actions or why should not the wholesale deliberate offering be regarded alike in both cases he who has wholly surrendered himself to god has virtually dedicated his every action this consideration might well make all resolve at least once to make a retreat in which to purify their soul and offer it deliberately and steadfastly to god afterwards making a general review of conscience at least once a year renewing the resolutions which were then formed st bonaventura says that a man may acquire so confirmed a habit and intention of well-doing that he often does it without special intention such well-doing being highly meritorious notwithstanding because the habit which prompts it is rooted and grown in a confirmed and steadfast love chapter nine further means of working all things for god it is said that the peacock's young grow white if the hen hatches in a clean place and verily all man's actions acquire character and grace from the love whence they issue it is obvious that those actions which promote a man's calling or are needful to his plans will depend upon his original choice but we must not stop here 
a really thorough progress in devotion demands not merely a good beginning annually renewed but a daily offering by means of which fresh vigor and grace are continually won and the heart is sanctified anew and beyond this all through each day a thousand ejaculatory prayers and upliftings of the heart should bear it onwards towards god and with it all we do he who thus ever strives to keep his heart stayed in the bosom of his heavenly father cannot fail to do all things in and for god i am thine o save me psalm 119 verse 94 my beloved is mine and i am his canticle chapter 2 verse 17 my god my life my all grant me to die to self and live to thee only thrice blessed is the soul which thus perpetually dedicates itself to its heavenly bridegroom thereby renewing its original determination to have and know and love nothing save god and his love and such continual aspirations tend greatly to quicken love especially in ordinary daily life on great occasions lift up your heart and mind to god stretching out to thoughts of eternity dwelling upon his goodness who has so cherished you provided you with all things needful to salvation and enabled you to seek good and flee evil and then accept embrace heartily whatsoever he sends in obedience to his will be it a blessing to enjoy or a trial to endure when the plague came upon his diocese st charles steadfastly realized that the calamity was sent by god as well as the power to minister and relieve the flock which was entrusted to himself and so well weighing the greatness of his undertaking he offered himself to god and kissing the cross exclaimed like st andrew all hail o precious cross welcome trial which comes from my father's hand who has so willed it from all eternity for my people and for me i accept thee gladly o cross since my god sends it thus we may boldly go forth to meet the weightiest matters or the heaviest trials and if they last long we must needs often renew the practice thereby strengthening our union to god's good pleasure saying in his dear son's words even so father for so it seemed good in thy sight chapter ten the grace of a voluntary sacrifice of all examples of strong loyal love none can equal abraham who first sacrificed his natural cleavings when bidden get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that i will show thee genesis chapter twelve verse one he went out not knowing whither he went 
ready to quit all earthly affections at god's call but this was light compared with his after obedience when god called upon him to offer up his only son the child of promise and he meekly journeying forth built the altar and raised his hand to slay isaac only hindered from completing the offering by the angel's interposition our lord has said that he who lusts after a woman has committed adultery already in his heart and surely he who binds his son upon the altar has already offered the sacrifice one scarce knows whether most to admire the father in his heroic obedience or the son in his lamb-like submission to the decree perhaps abraham's fortitude and isaac's generosity are alike marvellous yet the father was long trained in obedience and strengthened by visions of the almighty while the son was yet tender in his youth and saw god's will in his father's word who but would dwell in wonder on the three days journey with that fearful end awaiting the travellers or on the son's simple question my father where is the lamb for an offering and the father's reply my son god will provide himself a lamb when shall we learn thus absolutely to offer up that only child of our spiritual life our free will when shall we be able to bind and lay it on the altar ready to take its death-blow for love of christ be sure that our free will is never so free as when it becomes the slave of christ never so enslaved as when it is the minister of self its true life is death to self its living death is self-seeking we have freedom to do good or evil but when we choose evil we do not use but abuse our liberty let us renounce such a mistaken freedom and give it up to divine love and voluntarily become love's slaves therein more blessed than kings and if ever our heart craves to use its liberty in opposition to our resolution to serve god unreservedly be it ours at once to sacrifice that free will and dying to self live to god whosoever will save his life shall lose it but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it here and hereafter mark chapter eight verse thirty five whoso seeks his freedom in this world shall inherit slavery in the life to come but whosoever accepts the cross here willingly will find his liberty turned to love his love to liberty and joy without limit and be plunged forever into the fathomless abyss of god's gladness and love chapter eleven the motives for divine love saint bonaventura lewis of granada de ponte 
Destella, and others, have enlarged on this subject. I will merely sum up the points I have already treated. God's goodness is not merely the first motive, but the grandest, noblest, most powerful, that which is the perfecting of the blessedness of the saints. This subject occupies my first and second books, from the eighth chapter of Book Three to the end, and to the ninth chapter of Book Ten. The second motive is God's natural providence towards us in our creation and preservation, as shown in the third chapter of Book Two. The third motive is God's supernatural providence and the redemption he has prepared for us, as set forth in chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7 of Book 2. The fourth motive is the consideration how God works out this providence and this redemption, supplying each with the grace and help specially needful to his salvation, as shown from chapter 8 of Book 2, to chapter 6, book 3. The fifth motive is that eternal glory to which God's goodness has destined us, the climax of all his benefits, which is set forth in book 3 from chapter 9. Chapter 12. How to make use of these motives. If we would ourselves gain a vivid, ardent love from these motives, we must proceed from a general consideration of each to apply it specially to ourself. For example, it was marvelous goodness in God to give his Son for the redemption of the world at large, but specially for me, the chief of sinners. He loved me, even such as I am, and gave himself for me. Consider God's mercies in their first beginning. How can we sufficiently love that infinite goodness which from all eternity planned our creation, preservation, redemption, and sanctification, general and individual? What was I then, who even now am but a mere worm? Yet God even then had me in his thoughts. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 He predetermined my birth my baptism, and every good gift he designed for me. Marvelous indeed it is to contemplate. Consider the second source of these divine mercies. Remember how the high priest bore the names of the children of Israel on his shoulder and on his breast, and then look at Jesus, the bishop of our souls, bearing us on his shoulders and accepting the office of redeeming us by his death, even the death of the cross. That loving Savior knew every one of us by name, and above all in his passion, when he offered tears, prayers, and lifeblood for us, he was thinking of you and me, of each individual soul whose life he purchased at the cost of his own. O sovereign love, of the heart of Jesus, who can ever love or bless thee enough? So in this heart, more tender than a mother's, he foresaw, disposed, merited, obtained all the mercies we enjoy, 
not merely for all men generally but for each individual soul and he made ready the sweet sustenance we were to draw from his love whereby to grow up to life eternal surely the contemplation of such an eternal will and such a divine heart would kindle love in the coldest chapter thirteen mount calvary is the true school of love finally the death and passion of the lord form alike the sweetest and strongest motive for love which man can experience these are the mystic bees which come forth from the lion of the tribe of judah torn and rent asunder on calvary and as of old the world cannot read the wondrous riddle out of all consuming death came forth the meat which sustains our life out of the overwhelming power of death the sweet honey of love what so precious as the death of jesus who died for love therefore was it in token of the ecstasy of the blessed in paradise at beholding that most precious death that moses and elias on the mount of transfiguration talked with the lord of his decease which he should accomplish in jerusalem and the song of praise rises forever in heaven for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to god by thy blood revelation chapter five verse nine verily calvary is the true lover's mount and all love which does not spring from the saviour's passion is hollow and unreal sad indeed were death without the saviour's love no less sad love without the saviour's death love and death are so inextricably mingled in his passion that no one can truly appreciate one apart from the other our choice lies between eternal death and eternal love and the whole secret of christian wisdom lies in choosing rightly it is to help you to make that choice that i have written this book love and death death to all love save that of jesus in order to live forever to him through his eternal love may it be ours to sing the everlasting song of love and praise amen may these words spoken in and through love to your love find a resting place in your heart so that love may bring forth the fruit of good works not of mere empty words amen praised be god end of book twelve chapter thirteen end of of the love of god by St. Francis de Sales, translated by H. L. Sidney Lear.